Hey guys, so hopefully everybody's well. Um, I'm currently back in London. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, it's kind of annoying because I had to pack. Going to Cheshire, I had to pack for various different options, I suppose you could say, because I didn't really know if after Cheshire, I'd want to go back to Belfast, um, go back up the mountain, the font. Um, I just couldn't really decide. Um, a lot of the reason for that is because I needed to pretty much see how Cheshire went to then, you know, be able to make a decision. Um, so I'm actually back in London. Um, and today's I guess day one, so today's 24 hours after Cheshire. Um, and you know, I, I feel okay. Um, like my, my legs, they actually feel like fine, like way, of course, way better off than after Rotterdam. I'm, I'm really good at like, it's going to sound ridiculous, but like numbing pain. And so, um, I probably was in more pain after Rotterdam than normal. Not normal, sorry, but like then I let on, I suppose is what you could probably say. And so if you really expect the worst and like you, you know, you expect your legs to feel like, you know, they've just been hit by a truck, for example. And then of course, if they don't feel that way and, and they kind of feel, I mean, it's a loose term, but let's say they kind of feel all right. Um, you know, you're, you're quite positive. You're quite sort of happy. And, um, I got to about mile 14, I would say in Cheshire. And it's the first part of the race that I kind of thought Skull, it was, it was pretty naive to think. It was pretty naive to think that, you know, doing eight times a K on the track or, you know, five times two K like on the like in Font Rameau around the lake. I think it was naive that just because my body was was capable of those things, that that, that would then mean that it was gonna be capable of um not only racing a marathon, but I mean even just running a marathon. It became it became pretty apparent. Now, I, I have a couple of problems with how I felt yesterday, but it became pretty obvious pretty early that in Rotterdam, this is, this is how, I, the only way I can describe it is in Rotterdam, it was like K, 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 and they were just done, 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 301, 302, 302, 303, 302. And they were just metronomic. They were just boom, 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 slicing them off. Whereas Cheshire felt, it just felt a little bit harder work to like, call it like knock the K's out, you know, like the K's weren't, they weren't coming easy to me. And I, I have a couple of, I, I, I have a couple of issues. The, the reason I can't totally accept it is because I perhaps made I perhaps made some mistakes in the two weeks since Rotterdam. 
and I was put in a difficult spot. You're you're put in a really difficult spot. You know, you've ran thirty. What was it? Thirty six, thirty five k PB. You know, thirty seven, or you know, I think even thirty eight kilometers. If you take away the the part of the race that I stopped my watch running over the bridge, um, at the very very start. But I I think if you if you add a, what I have on Strava was the first time that I stopped my watch, and um you basically have a situation where you've run 37 to 38 k at like you know personal best pace it's a it's a fucking long way um a real tough effort and you're then you know faced with this call it clusterfuck of shoes and i haven't spoke too much about this because i, I you know i for obvious reasons i i don't want like i don't people looking bad or anything like this but there was there was there was kind of just lack of communication mistakes made the the sad thing is i don't know who made mistakes because the only way i can describe it this is what happened at rotterdam i'm told like you know quite clearly that the shoes approved right under armor had been told by world athletics that the shoes approved and so how do you who do you blame world athletics under armor myself it's it's so difficult and the only way you know i i I had people getting in touch and of course i've had people fucking giving me shit all week you know like oh pack the right shoes and don't make that mistake again and and all this kind of bullshit and i'm just kind of like sorry to be harsh but i'm just kind of like seriously like shut the f up because like the only way i can make this relevant is that you're going on a work trip this weekend and your boss t- fucking goes on the BA website, British Airways, books a ticket, sends you the ticket, right? Sends you the ticket. You show up to the airport. The person at the desk says, sorry, that ticket's not valid. And I then come to you and I say, oh, my God, why the F didn't you book an F and spare ticket? And you go to me, what? Why would I book a spare ticket? My boss told me this one was legit. And not only that, BA told my boss that this ticket was legit. And so it was just a bit of a clusterfuck, right? And then I'm going to add to that clusterfuck. And I'm going to say what then happens next is BA and your boss have a conversation and they get the ticket sorted. But nobody tells you. Nobody tells you that the ticket's sorted. And so that was kind of the problem. Like, apparently, in hindsight, there had been conversations between Under Armour and the race director, and they figured out that the shoes had been approved, that there's no issue, that they're not illegal, that they're not any different than anybody else is racing in, and and all this kind of shit. And, And I'm the one that suffers. Because I'm the, you know, I'm the athlete that, you know, has to race in um, shoes that, yeah, like just aren't the right size. And so anybody that has, it's not, it's nobody's fault. Anyone given me a bit of dogs abused about this, I've not really set the record clear. And so that's kind of the situation. Under Armour had been told by World Athletics the shoe was approved. It's not illegal. It's not too big. It's not too high. 
It's not this, that, or anything. It's just a shoe. Um, it's it's a much improved shoe than I've ever raced in in terms of Under Armour before. Um, I wore it yesterday. It 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 didn't cause me any problems. It, you know, it was it was fine. Um, these shoes are all getting they're all getting to the same same point. I've worn I've worn the Nike shoe and then I've worn the Under Armour shoe, and I, you know I. It's not now. It's training, and now it's like training is going to make the biggest difference, and being prepared is going to make the biggest difference. And so, here's my problem, right? You've done Rotterdam, hasn't worked out the way you wanted to. You're emotional. You start to make emotional decisions, right? The first emotional decision that I made was to book a trip to Font, right? So, I, I go to Font, and I go to Font with a plan um to um stay until Prague marathon right so that's the that's the plan um but then emotionally i i see not kind of emotion kind of logic i see you know cheshire marathon um i speak to a race director who's willing to help me out with, you know, pace and, and all these kind of things. But the problem is I I don't do I I've never done altitude for like eight days. You know, I I just I made a lot of fuck ups if I'm honest. I it's kinda the bad thing is here here's the here's the bottom line. The fitness that I was able to generate for Rotterdam that was built off lots and lots and lots of really good decisions, really good training, really sensible training, like well monitored with the lactate type stuff for a, a pretty lengthy period of time. And then that moved to, you know, slightly harder training. And that was a good, solid build up. Good decisions, no fucking around with altitude. Um, I wish I did do an altitude camp, but if I'm going to do an altitude camp, you do an altitude camp for at least three weeks and then you make sure that you're back two weeks at the very least before the race. So if you're going to do altitude, it has to happen five weeks before the race. That's a come on, Stephen, you know this. And that's what annoys me the most, that I made these stupid decisions and they cost me stupid amounts of money. And I and I fucking went and I, you know, of course, I made the most of altitude. Of course, I I tried my best. But like the problem is I left altitude. I was getting tired at altitude and my body, my body wouldn't recover as well at altitude as it would have done if I, you know, didn't go to altitude. That's that's probably the most upsetting thing. I could have saved money and I didn't I would have recovered better had I not bloody gone the altitude. And the other problem with altitude was, like, I couldn't predict. You know, someone asked me, I, I was at a Ulster rugby match and, and, a, and a fellow was there and it was really nice. He came and introduced himself and, and, you know, said he loved the podcast and spoke and we got chatting and, you know, he asked me, like, how do you think you're going to go? And I didn't know. And I, and I normally know because I normally... At sea level, you can do little tests. You can you can run at a certain heart rate, and you can kind of get an idea. And so, 
On the problem number three, I ran at a really good heart rate. My heart rate was low, right? So it was it was way lower than Rotterdam. It, it, it should have been a really safe heart rate to run at. I did that on purpose. I made sure that I was running at an intensity that I, that I basically know for a fact I can finish a marathon, you know? But my body just didn't have it, right? And I'm now, I'm now really struggling with, call it acceptance. Because all of a sudden there's these like, what ifs? What if I stayed at sea level? You know, what if I didn't do eight days at altitude? How do I know that eight days at altitude didn't just like make me tired? Because my stupid feckin' aura ring, like this is how, let me, let me like not bore you with statistics because I don't want to bore you with statistics, right? But here is, um, like the, the aura ring, if anybody has it or, or, or is keen to get it, gives you what's called a readiness score, right? And so you get a readiness score, um, in terms of how ready you are to perform. And so the week, the week of the 4th of April to the 10th of April, which is the week of Rotterdam, the average for that week is 86, 86% ready to perform. Okay. The 11th to the 17th, which is my, you know, the week after and my, my week of altitude, 73. Okay. And then the week of the race, 69. Like for some reason, my body was just, yeah, like here's, here's Friday, the 15th of April, two days before readiness, 65. Like, you know, here's the day of the race, readiness, 68. And it doesn't, it doesn't lie. The day of Rotterdam, it was 89. And it should be fucking 89 because you've tapered, you've at really well, you know, all these things. It should be really good. I just didn't understand why the four days I left altitude because I wanted, I wanted those scores to come up. And I, I, I realized that my body was being really sensitive. And this might be because I raced a marathon, but basically what was happening was I was, I was sensitive to training. If I would do like a 40 minute run in the morning and a 35 minute run that night, which for me, that's not even full training, but I'd wake up the next day at altitude and my like, my heart rate variability would be low. My, my readiness score would be low. I'd feel tired. I'd have bags under my eyes. I woke up Friday of last week with fucking bags under my eyes. Like I'm, I was confused. I was like, why do I look hungover? Like, what the fuck? And so I'm pissed off because I feel like I made mistakes. I shouldn't have gone to altitude. I should have, I honest to God, should have jogged for a week. Just jogged. I just ran a marathon. I needed to run easy. I needed to rest for a few days. And then I should have just jogged. And then about seven to ten days of just jogging. Then I could have done three times a mile. Then I should have raced the marathon. And those, those like readiness scores, everything would have recharged. And instead I just fucking couldn't, couldn't leave it. Had to push, had to go to altitude, had to add all these things in. And I just got greedy. And I, I honest to God thought of somebody like Kipchoge and I thought about their like 40k hard runs that they do. 
And I just pretended that Rotterdam was this like really hard, long run and that I would just crack on, you know, recover from it, crack on. And, and, you know, maybe it would really help. The Kipchoge would never go to altitude for like eight days. And then my other problem is I, you don't race on day four. So, you know, I've talked about this before, but you, you race on day, day two or three latest. But I was torn between do I, do I race on day two or do I go back to sea level and try to get this like, you know, readiness score and, and not be tired type sort of shit back under control? It was a clusterfuck. That's the only way I can describe it. There was a lot going on. There was even, even race week was stressful with, you know, getting new shoes sent to, you know, the UK shoes. It was all, there was a lot going on. And I just didn't, I didn't feel anywhere close. The, the kind of heart rate I was running at should be an absolute dream for me. I should feel incredible. It's the kind of heart rate I should be able to run for, you know, honest to God, two and a half, two and a half hours, two hours, like certainly a marathon, but actually like, I mean, I was running at like 162, 163 and, and normally I'm like 166, 167 and, and everybody knows from, you know, you know your own heart rate. If you're operating at two to three beats lower than what you normally run a marathon, you're pretty comfy. You're in a good place. But I guess I just felt tired. It felt hard work. And, and then you're, you're in trouble because you have such a long way to go. And I felt my left Achilles on like the, the fifth lap, going into the fifth lap. I just felt my left Achilles a little bit. And that was like, that was kind of the final straw for me. I was like, I don't feel good. I'm already like, I'm already having to work to hold pace, like proper work. And I can't get my heart rate to go up. I don't have the same control over that, like effort. I don't have control over the effort. This is kind of all I've got. And then I felt my left Achilles and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not punishing this left Achilles. If I feel that again, like that's it. And I, I basically for that whole fifth lap hoped that I was just going through a rough patch. And I hoped that I would kind of come out of that rough patch, but, uh, but the splits were just getting gradually slower. And the, the problem I had is if I finished another marathon, like the recovery time was just going to start to get crazy. And like the Commonwealth Games, I, like I only have until June 5th. On, after June 5th, that's it. There's no more opportunities to qualify, not on the track, not no events whatsoever. And so I, I, I had to make that hard decision, that difficult decision that like, yeah, I had to support myself and I had to support my body and, and support the whole recovery process. And, um, fuck, it was sad. Honest to God, like I was sad. Like I just sat at the side of the road. And, and then, I mean, of course, the lead bike guy in the live stream comes over and points a camera in your face. And I was just sad because it's not, it's not how I had pictured that it would go. I just didn't, honest to God, think. I, I just thought it was something I was capable of. And, I mean, I can sound like a dick, but I think if I didn't make mistakes, it's something I might have been capable of. You know, I, I think the mistakes I made was 
rushing the altitude and thinking that like a little short stint at altitude it's it's something that a guy called Marius Bakken talked about doing but you don't it's hard for me to explain the context but these little eight to ten day altitude stints I think they help if you've already done a three to four week camp as in like maybe in February you did a three to four week camp and then all you're doing in this eight to 10 day camp is like topping up, you know, like what you did in February. But he also would probably never suggest an eight to 10 day stint is a good thing to do when you've just raced a marathon. You're trying to recover and prepare for another one. He probably likely also wouldn't advise you to do an eight to 10 day stint if it's your first ever time doing an eight to 10 day stint. And so you don't really know how your body, the best thing you could do is when I do the seven times 2K, do the seven times 2K, get your results, do an eight to 10 day stint. And then when you come back, um, you know, practice and see, like, did it work? How, how did everything go? Now, day one, when I told you guys last week that my session didn't go very well, you know, I, I did two times 2K and I ran at five minute mile pace. My lactate was like three. And that's not marathon. I needed to be like two or maybe like 1.8 to two. But I, but I hope that it was just day one. But the reality is it, it was probably just tiredness. It was probably my body just tired. And, and, and so, yeah, it was, it was harder work for my body to run at five minute mile pace compared to what it was, um, you know, two and a half weeks before when I did the test before Rotterdam. And so, yeah, I, I suppose all I can, say is like sad face <laughs> sad face emoji <laughs> um but yeah it's kind of kind of fucking sucks because like now i'm put under real pressure because now i don't really know what to do like of course this is going to sound bad in a way but like of course today i'm delighted that i did stop at 30k because it means that i can walk around today and i'm not like hurting and and my calves aren't really sore and my quads aren't really sore and it kind of does look like if I can if I can muster up the motivation or the drive to look at other options, then I'm in a that I'm in a pretty good place compared to how I would have been if I had a finish, because then I'd have had to recover again fully, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, or I'd have to ignore the recovery process and and force myself back into training, which maybe it's okay to do that once but I don't really know that it's okay to do that twice. I mean, I do often have said the last couple of weeks here that, you know, there's no rules, you know, you set your own rules, you set your own standards, you, you decide what your body's capable of, but there's probably still a guideline somewhere that says don't do that. Um, but yeah, look, you, I'm going to have a little think on things. I'm not going to, I'm not going to commit, either way to anything just yet um the the interesting thing is a a good a good sensible first session for me to do would be the likes of you know a couple of mile reps or 2k reps at like that lower lactate stuff and so what i'm tempted to do is like probably like friday of this week is like repeat the seven times 2k but i don't need to do seven i can do like 
five. And I would be interested to see, has that changed? And, and, you know, if it has, because what might have happened by now, I, I told you guys all about this when I did the seven times 2K, you know, it got me really excited because, you know, the lactate was still like two and it was still two around the kind of pace that would get me a PB. But all of a sudden, it might, it might have got to a point now where, you know, that was, that was three weeks ago. I did that seven times 2K and I, I've, you know, I've gone to altitude. I've raced a marathon. I've tried to race another marathon. And so like all this stuff, it might have helped and the seven times 2K could potentially be better. Or you might just find that actually it hasn't helped at all. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it's not going to be better. Um, but the, the time and place to do it before Cheshire would have been the Friday, you know, maybe it's like, I guess it's like 10 days before, but the problem with the Friday 10 days before was that I hadn't recovered yet from Rotterdam and I had just gone up the altitude. So like I couldn't, you can't read into things too much at altitude because your speed's going to be slower and things like this. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of confusing. Um, I think altitude was potentially a mistake. I think it made me more tired. I think I was a lot more tired than I believed, which is why for three, four days, um, my, yet, like I say, like normally, Normally when I do a 30 minute run or a, a 20 minute run and things like this, when I'm tapering, you know, my body just feels really good. Whereas it just felt like something was sore every day. There was just something new was sore. And like, I, I, I kept needing physio to work on little things, hamstring and um, glute, et cetera, et cetera. And I, even the day before Cheshire was, was, was really quite concerned about my hamstring and, um, yeah, like I've, I, I'd have never not tried. I'd set it up. I'd done everything that I thought could help. I kind of took a gamble. It was a, it felt like a gamble anyway. You know, I think I talked about this on the podcast before Cheshire, like maybe I've never done eight days at altitude before. Even let's say you'd done 10, but it might have became the new thing. You know, had I felt amazing at Cheshire, all of a sudden it might have been the new thing to do. Had I felt amazing at Cheshire, all of a sudden you might do a really hard effort with two weeks to go before a big race. And so it was a gamble. It was, it was a trial, you know, it's like trial and error and, and you figure things out. But the only fucking real problem I have is time doesn't sit still. And with every week that passes or, you know, there's two weeks has just passed since Rotterdam, you're just getting two weeks closer to like qualifying windows and things like this closing. And, like the Commonwealth Games only happens every four years and it seems really sad at the minute that, you know, I potentially won't be going to a Commonwealth Games because of like what, what might be a shoe technicality. You know, with, with 4K to go, you're four minutes ahead of the qualifying standard or three and a half minutes ahead of the qualifying standard. And so I don't know that anybody listening or anybody in Northern Ireland would believe that I couldn't have ran 213. Um, the day at Rotterdam, you know, I could have paced it different. I like, I if I had shoes that fit, I wouldn't have had the shoe problems, and and so it's it's quite sad. It's 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 frustrating. Um, but at the end of the day, like I've said it before, there's there's no 
there's no room in the marathon for what ifs or you, you either cross the finish line in a time that you need or or you don't it's fucking really simple it's crystal clear and and excuses and and reasons and justifications there you know they they make for a a decent story if anybody wants to listen but they don't it's irrelevant it's so irrelevant because all that's relevant is what time did you get across that finish line what contributed to why you perhaps didn't get there it's it's i'm sorry but it's it's kind of just irrelevant which is shit don't get me wrong makes me sad but it just is what it is it's irrelevant um so look first things first recovery cryotherapy for the next three days every day i'm going to go in i had an ice bath last night which is i mean that in itself is fucking heroic that even 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 at the extent of my disappointment and and i i was fucking heartbroken and i was confused and i didn't know how to think and i didn't know what to think i didn't know how to feel you know i i walk over to a co-op and buy six bags of ice and fill the bathtub and and have an ice bath because because i care about recovery and i care about giving myself the best chance to have another chance um today i'll go for cryotherapy i'll go for cryotherapy tomorrow and i'll go the next day and i'll stand in an ice box and just in case that maybe speeds up the recovery process you know i i have to try um and then, like I said, it'll probably be probably be Thursday or Friday. I'll be able to do a little bit of um I don't want to call it a test because it's not real well, it is a test, but like it's also just getting the legs going again but i I need to see what has happened with the fitness, and if the fitness has changed, let's call it drastically. let's say that three point zero at five minute pace was actually legit. And it wasn't just day one from altitude or, you know, things like this. Like it might have been just because it was day one. And But let's say let's say it wasn't tiredness. Let's say it wasn't day one from altitude. And let's say, you know, Friday of this week or Sunday of this week, I do that sort of two Ks again on the track. And, you know, the, the lactate, instead of being two at like five minute pace or just under, all of a sudden it's three which is two completely different efforts. You're talking marathon to half marathon. So if that, if it really has shifted that much, then maybe I just need to shut it down, which is sad, but maybe my body's just saying shut it down. Um, because if it's three at five minute mile pace, trust me, I'm not going to run a good 10k either. Um, and so we'll find a lot out. I, I'm, I'm happy to stay at sea level now because I want things to be a bit more simple um i don't i don't i don't want to sound arrogant i don't want to sound like a dick in 2018 you know i ran 215 for the marathon and six weeks later i ran i think five weeks later actually sorry i ran 28 34 maybe in a pair of under armor cross-country spikes on a track in america and so i don't think i need to do anything drastic to get the fitness and recovery and body in a place to run the 2830 for the Commonwealth standard. But I'm also not going to be disrespectful and treat it lightly. But, you know, I'm, I'm, even though I haven't done it, I still feel like I'm like a, you know, 210 guy at least at the minute. Like I, I, you know, I'm, I will not believe otherwise after Rotterdam. That's what I truly believe. 
Um, I know what the testing suggested beforehand. I know how I felt during the race until I started to get problems with the shoes. Um, and so if you're five minutes ahead in the marathon, it really shouldn't be that difficult to get the, the fitness and like the, the body and, and, you know, even the stupid aura ring getting that back on track to be capable of going and running. Um, I think it's like 68.5 per lap for, you know, 25 laps. And I'll, I'll, I'll look at Highgate 10k. Um, if I was to consider another marathon, um, I mean, there, there really isn't that many options left. Um, I really wish, I really wish there was an option after Highgate and I, I haven't really looked at that and it would be fantastic if I could do Highgate, if I could get my body back recovering and then, you know, maybe a week or two weeks after Highgate, potentially I could go and, and try elsewhere. Because of course, if I, if I try to run a marathon, before Highgate, well then I'm I'm really shooting myself in the foot. I'm not giving my myself a chance in the 10k at all. Um, so it's something I'll look at. I haven't looked. I I didn't want to look yesterday. Um, I just took a day to myself. I had I had two Guinness in the pub, chicken pie, two Guinness, um, and then on the tree, and I had absolutely gorgeous. But they're called Brew Dog punk brew dog punk and it's like an ipa beer and i really like it and but that was it i didn't like in a way like i've grown a lot and i've matured a lot whereby like i didn't go and get absolutely pissed drunk and um there was no sadness there was no like tweets about retiring and and all this sort of shit like i've told you guys like i believe in myself again if i'm being totally honest i don't believe in what i'm doing at the minute in terms of scrambling for qualifying times but i don't really have a choice and so i'm having to adapt and and deal with like things not being perfect and that's okay too you know there's a time and place for everything like i can scramble over the next couple of weeks and try to get a couple of qualifying times and and then once these couple of weeks pretty much once the next month goes past you know i think it's like five or six weeks left to qualify you know once that passes well you know then you can take your recovery and and then you can you know refocus and look at like a london marathon or a dublin marathon or a valencia marathon and look there's always more races but right now these championships are what's most important to me and um that's what i'm going to focus on so all right hope everybody's well i hope that um yeah, I hope that covers everything from this weekend. And um, it, it's just a bit sad that I didn't feel great because, like I say, like the, I kept that heart rate in a real good place and I really should have got the a lap or two to go and, and felt pretty good. And um, sadly, I just didn't. Um, and, and like I said, that could be that could be the fact that I ran Rotterdam two weeks ago. That could be the big elephant in the room that I'm fucking trying to ignore. Um, it could be that I did altitude and altitude made me tired and I didn't stick to the very simple rules that, you know, say three weeks minimum. I also didn't stick to the simple rules that say, you know, race within 72 hours, 48, better, maybe 72. 
I went a day more than that. I went up to whatever it is, like a 96, I suppose. Um, maybe some mistakes were made, but yeah, sometimes that's what happens when you're scrambling. And like I said, what led to that really good fitness at Rotterdam was, you know, really good decisions. And, you know, perhaps I let myself down a little bit in terms of poor decisions in, in really important moments. Um, but I, I did what I could because I needed to refocus and I thought France would really help that. I also then realized that France was making me tired and I likely had to leave to try to give my body a chance to, um, it sounds silly, but you know, get those readiness scores up. And I, I wear, I wear this ring year round. Like it, I don't just read into it too much before races and stuff, but never, ever, ever has it been in the sixties before a race? Never ever. Because you're tapering. It normally goes up to 80, 85, even before like Lauren half marathon. I think it was in like the nineties. And like, I remember telling Rob, like we were buzzing because it just meant the taper had worked really well and the balance of training and all the rest of it. So yeah. All right, team. Thanks so much. Bye bye now.